I just have so much faith that everybody's gonna come out of it so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm like looking, I'm like looking at, at our year right now, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like we could very well end up having one of the best years we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have made a lot of the changes, a lot in, in processes, and just the way I operate as a leader. Like I don't know if I would have made those changes if it hadn't been for this pandemic. Amber Miller is president and CEO of United Way of North Central Florida, a nonprofit dedicated to positively impacting the health, education, and financial stability of people living in North Central Florida. Amber joined United Way in 2018 after spending the majority of her career in marketing and community relations. Her transition from for-profit to nonprofit work began in the fall of 2014 as a volunteer for a local nonprofit where she learned the ins and outs of charitable giving and donor relations. Amber has since held roles in development for two nonprofit agencies before joining United Way, where she quickly advanced in her role to now leading the organization. We hear all about her journey to becoming CEO in today's episode of the WHOA GNV podcast. You are listening to WHOA podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast for you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and real quick, you guys, before we dive into today's episode, I know some of you are already looking at the video and you're like, oh my gosh, this is not a mastermind session. That's right. I've decided to change things up again, primarily because mastermind episodes take a lot of planning, and I have been neck deep in my back-to-school season over here at New Scooters for Less. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Things have gotten a lot better since school started. Um, but, you know, it just takes a lot of time and prep. And so I've decided to kind of mix it up again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do more one-to-one interviews. And then I think I'm going to do mastermind sessions every 25 episodes. I don't know. I'm looking at Sarah because I feel like I just kind of need her to nod her head and confirm that that's what we're going to do. Uh, But anyway, like if you really like the mastermind sessions, which a lot of people do, that's super interesting is we get a lot of business owners in the room together and we discuss a topic. Uh, Look for that later on. (laughs) I don't know which episode yet, but just be on the lookout for that. We're probably gonna do that every 25 episodes or so. Um, But we'll let you know when that's coming around the corner, all right? And you guys, today's episode, you know I can't do this without our incredible sponsor. Uh, Today's episode is being brought to you by The Best Restoration. You need to have friends on your side when those disasters happen, when that toilet overflows or when that pipe bursts in the wall, or if you're like us and you move into a building that is full of mold, be sure to call The Best Restoration. I can speak firsthand to the quality of the work because they have done so much for me. These guys are amazing. With their certified techs and state-of-the-art equipment, these guys are the masters of disaster. Give them a call at 352-505-3321 or visit them at thebestrestoration.com. Jorge, brother, I love you. (laughs) You are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I am excited to get into today's 
episode because you guys, my friend Amber Miller, president and CEO of your United Way of North Central Florida is in the house. Amber, I'm so glad you're here. I miss you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Well, one, like first, like congratulations to you for becoming CEO. When did that happen? That was pretty recent, right? Yeah, it was um, made official our March 31st board meeting of 2021. So yeah, it feels like yesterday, but I guess it's been has it been six months? I it can't do quick, math right, right? now. <laughs> yeah. It goes by quick. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's you. I'm super proud of you. I'm super excited for you because I think you're perfect for the role. Um, so like before we kind of dive into, you know, CEO United Way stuff, um, I mean, like tell me a little bit about your story, right? I always like to talk about the stories. Everybody knows I start off with that. So, you know, how did you get to Gainesville? How did you get into the world of nonprofits? Mm-hmm. All of it. It's kind of a well, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to be short. Um, so I moved to Gainesville with my husband uh, back in 2005. So we were just dating then. We weren't quite married yet. But uh, I had been going to college at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. And if for those of you who aren't from the north and you're not familiar with lake effect snow, you can get some really gnarly blizzards and, and things out of the blue. And so we just had the worst winter ever at school. They ended up shutting the university down because so many of the dorms had electric baseboard heat and my apartment, electricity went out, everything. So it was just really bad. And when I graduated, I knew I wanted to get out of that state. I wanted to go somewhere warm and I just always had- from there? No, actually, well, yes and no. Like my family moved around a lot when I was a kid. So I was born in Indiana, but then we were in Texas and Georgia, Ohio, back to Indiana. And then, like I said, after I graduated, I was like, I'm done. So we moved, my husband and I came to, to Gainesville. We literally picked it out like of this ancient book that a lot of people aren't familiar with anymore, but it's called a road atlas. And you can <laughs> open it up and it will give you maps of different states. And so wanted to come to Florida and we were looking at places to go and we you were looking at a road atlas. Yes. And you made the decision based on that. We made a that. decision based on a road atlas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, please, please describe <laughs> how this conversation goes because I'm trying to picture you and your husband like pulling out a road atlas, being like, "Oh, mm-hmm. oh, well, look at this place. Look at like Gainesville right here. It's kind of in the middle. Maybe. I mean, yeah. That, that was my logic. I'm like, I don't want to live on the coast because I don't want to have to deal with hurricanes. Like, I don't want like my home to get washed away. And dude, it's so funny. We were kind of talking about that in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, it's and, funny. And so I, and and to kind of add a little perspective. So he had bought some property off of his grandfather in Interlochen, Florida. And we had no idea like what was there or anything. So we thought, well, let's just try to find a place that's kind of near there and then we can decide what we want to do with this land like somewhere down the road. And that's kind of how we landed on Gainesville and he was my husband obviously huge sports fanatic and he's like the University of Florida's there. It's the Gators. It's, you know, they'll have they'll have college housing. So we're like, great. You know, it'll be affordable. <laughs> and we moved here, and uh, yeah, and we've been here ever since. So, did you guys have any jobs or anything lined up? We did or was not. This, it was completely. It was on completely a whim. like my lease ended in uh, the end of July, up in Indiana. We packed our stuff up, 
uh, whatever we could fit on a little flatbed pull behind trailer and in his Ford Bronco and in my Chevy Cavalier, we drove to Peachtree City, Georgia, which is where my parents were living at the time, stored everything in their garage, stayed the night, got out the next day, drove here, um, got off on 39th and was driving east on 39th and we're like, where is this town? Like, where is anything? Because there was just nothing there. We found 441, we were driving down 441, trying to find a place to stay. We pull into this motel and my husband gets out and the the guy inside is like, you didn't pay for your room. My husband's like, we literally just like pulled up in here. We have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, no, you didn't pay. And my husband's like running back to the car and he gets in. He was like, we gotta go, we gotta go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, we drove all the way down till we hit university and then we um, headed west and ended up staying at it was the Days Inn, which is just west of 75 okay. on Newberry Road. And then flash forward like three years later, we ended up buying our house like about two miles west of there. You stayed in the Days Inn there. for three no. years? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny like how, you know, we so live right what, down the street. what year was that when you guys got to Gainesville? It was 2005. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. Yeah. That's, so. that's, that's like my time, that's like when yeah. I'm here. <laughs> all right. Uh, Gainesville's changed a mm-hmm. lot since 2005. Yeah, Tioga Town Center wasn't even out there yet. I remember getting lost trying to find Hale Plantation, the Golf and Country Club, and I drove all the way out Newberry because everyone said you needed to turn down Tower Road. Well, if you're traveling west on Newberry, it's not called Tower Road, it's called Southwest 75th Street. So, yeah, I drove all the way out yeah, there. Yeah, not to make things confusing or anything. Yeah, yeah, that was it. I ha- that was the one thing I hated about Gainesville. I'm like, why can you not name your streets like actual names? Everything is a number, and then there's street, place, terrace, drive, circle after it. I'm thinking, I will never find my way around here. And I had a laminated map. I bet a lot of people feel like that. Yeah, <laughs> we we bought a like a map, a city map at the gas station. And it was laminated so that I wouldn't have to figure out how to refold it. It was like easier to put back together so I could figure out, you know, where to go because we had no idea. All right, so you guys mm-hmm. get to Gainesville. What's you know, husband's job? What like what were the first jobs that you guys yeah. got? How, and how long did it take you to get something? <laughs> so he was actually an after-school counselor at the YMCA. Okay. Yeah, and then my first big job after college was I worked um, at the Gainesville Sun freelance for a little bit. Yeah. All right. How long did you yeah. do that for? It was almost a year. And then I kind of had a little early, I guess, quarter life crisis because uh, I went to college for advertising and journalism. And so I you know, wasn't sure if I was ever going to find a job like that here in Gainesville. And, and we just had the one paper. And I'm like, I'm not, not really getting the job that I want. I, I need something that has benefits. Like I'm a, I'm a grown up now. I got to do grown up stuff. So. <laughs> So um, I decided to go back to school and I was going to be a nurse and did all these prerequisites and that didn't really pan out. You did that at UF? (laughs) No, I went to Santa Fe. Okay. There was kind of a mix up um, after I was there for a year and I applied for the program. Um, The same time I was getting married. So my name changed and it was right when the application was due and somehow my application got misfiled. Like part of it was missing, it was in somebody else's folder. I didn't get in and then I was on a wait list and then I ended up getting a job actually at uh, North Florida Regional Medical Center 
and was doing patient transportation for a while, which is basically you push people around in, in their wheelchairs or beds or wherever they need to go so they can have an, an x-ray if they got to go to dialysis or whatever. So I kind of loved that job because I got to meet all these doctors and nurses and kind of see behind the scenes how all of this stuff is done and to kind of get your feet wet a little bit. Like, do I really want to be in healthcare? And at the time, there was an associate administrator there. She was amazing. And her and I were having a conversation one day and she was just like, you have this degree, you have all this talent, and we have an opening in our marketing position. Do you want to go back to school or do you want to like start a career? And so I had to make a decision. And so I decided I was gonna apply for the job and uh, I interviewed for it and HR was kind of like, listen, like if we decide to offer this to you and you accept, can you, kind of promise us that you're not gonna change your mind in a couple weeks should you get an acceptance letter for nursing school. And I'm like, if, if I take this job, I'm taking this job. So I got the job, I took the job, and two weeks later I got my acceptance letter. <laughs> so, but I stayed. Yeah, you stuck so to your promise. I, I did, I stuck to my promise. And yeah, so I did that for a few years and met so many awesome people uh, working in healthcare. And then also getting to meet a lot of the agencies and you know players in the media game I guess here in Gainesville and so I started building relationships with the local publishers for the different magazines and um, after a few years doing marketing I really wanted to really do something creative like I wanted to kind of stretch a little bit more so I ended up leaving and I did go work for a local publisher for a couple years I was creative director and was designing magazines, one was monthly, one was bi-monthly, and doing ad design and and uh, helping with a nonprofit event in town and just super busy and not gonna lie, got a little burned out <laughs> and decided, you know, I need to slow down because I was just really stretching and stressing myself out. So I, I did another career change yeah. and yeah, and ended up working for a retirement community for a little bit, doing community outreach and marketing there. And then um, after that is when I took a big break. So um, my husband and I had been trying for years to you know, have a child of our own. It wasn't really working out for us, but um, we ended up finding out about a little boy that did need a home. So we started uh, that adoption process and I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop and be a stay-at-home mom and, and do that for a little bit. And for anyone that's ever gone through the adoption process, it is, it's a test of patience because <laughs> you have it in your mind that it's gonna happen pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't, there's a lot that, that goes on and it, it got really intense and it was dragging on for months and months. And Why is that? Because you, you always hear of like so many children needing mm -hmm. homes, but then it seems like it's, you know, you gotta chew off an arm to get it done. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't, I think, you know, ours was an it. Um, it was in the U.S., but it was across state lines. So we were adopting from the state of Kentucky. And of course, we live here in Florida. So, you know, it's you have to have this extra paperwork. And, and basically, it's an agreement between the states. If we're going to bring this child from Kentucky to the state of Florida and the adoption falls through, then the state of Kentucky agrees to take the child back into their welfare system. And it doesn't fall into so it's called an interstate compact and so there's a lot of players in the game you're working with lot state agencies you're working with local nonprofit agencies and so it, it took a while and it was really 
probably the most stressful time in my life. Really? Yeah, because you just, you know, your heart is expanded in a way that it's never been expanded before. You're hoping for, you know, this child and you're trying to do everything you can, but at the same time you feel like there's nothing you can do and you're just kind of waiting. And so, and I, you know, wasn't working. So I'm like, I've got to find something to do with my time or I'm going to go stir crazy. How long did that process take? So I, we found out about our son, I think it was in, he was born in March. We found out about him, I think it was June, June, July. And then we kind of threw our hat in the ring there and started that process. And it was the following January, nothing had happened yet. Mm. And um, we decided, we had already kind of made, um, started a relationship with the foster family and so they were kind enough to say, yeah, come up and meet him, you know? And cause at the time he was almost 10 months old and I'm like, we've got to meet this child or he's, it's going to be so hard for him. You know, the older they get, the more they remember, the harder I would, I thought it was going to be for him to bond. So, so we went up there, planned to spend 10 days and we had a great experience with his foster family. They're amazing. They, they have become our family mm-hmm. and he, and our son was amazing and we bonded. It was just crazy. Like I just remember <laughs> not being sure that it was going to happen. And, and you know, as a woman, you kind of, you feel like in order to really love a child, you have to give birth to it. I don't know. Maybe that's just in my mind, but I just, you kind of feel like that's kind of how it's supposed to be. And so I was scared for myself that I was not that I was not gonna be able to love this child like fully, right? But I remember we had spent the first few days in town, we stayed at a hotel, and we would go and we would take care of him every day. Instead of him going to daycare, we would go to our foster family's house and we would take care of him. And then after the first five, seven days, they, they were like, move in with us because you need to learn his nighttime routine, you need to do all of this stuff. Because what we found out after being there for two days was that their children's services was going to let us take him home, which was kind of weird because we flew up, just the two of us, and we were flying back with a baby, and we did not know how we needed to tell Delta about that, but but it worked out. But um, but the first night we went to stay the night, put him down. You know, he was in his little crib, and then we had there was a bed in the room too. And I just remember holding him and my husband is sitting next to me and I'm just, you know, kind of smiling. But at the same time, I'm kind of crying, you know, because I'm just, you're scared. You know, you're about to become a parent and you're about to have this life in your charge. And we had nothing like we had space dedicated in our house, but I didn't make it a nursery because I didn't know if it was going to fall through and I didn't want to have that disappointment. Yeah. So, um, so we're sitting there we're holding him. And there's like a night light in the room. So it's like this great ambient lighting. And I just remember holding him and then we kind of like leaned back on the bed and he was laying, laying between my husband and I and he rolls over on his side and he looks me in the eyes and he puts his little hand on the side of my face Aww. and just smiled the biggest smile. I'm cry on and I lost it. Aww. Like I lost it. But I knew right then and there, I was like, this is my son. Like that moment, that was my son. So, and it just, I knew we were going to be fine. We were going to be totally fine. It's super interesting that you had said that though, because Mm -hmm. like I actually had a conversation, believe it or not, I had a conversation with somebody earlier this week about that exact same topic uh, around adoption and Mm -hmm. you know, their hesitancy to adopt because they're like, I just don't know if I can love this child like my own. 
Uh, and I was like, I just think that ends up, you know, working its way, you know, working mm-hmm. itself out. I, I I just feel like once you once you see, once you have those kind of moments, it's mm-hmm. it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna be there, you know. Yeah. It sounds like very much like it was. Yeah, it really was like probably the one of the most magical moments in my life and I'll never forget it. Like I can remember every detail. I can remember his face. I can remember the little dimple in his chin. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. So, yep. I mean, that's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, I, not that I meant to like <laughs> dive down that, that route, but I think it's so, super cool. I didn't know that about you and yeah. that's, that's pretty neat. Um, so, so you got, now you have a little one. And I do. You worked it out with Delta. You worked it out with Delta. They, <laughs> l- they let home. you carry an infant in your lap, so we did not need to get him a ticket. Right. <laughs> but we got to bring him home, and um, yeah. And How long I, ago was that? Um, it was in, so he was born in 2007, so it would have been January 2008. He was 10 months to the day when we brought him home on the airplane. Okay. So it was pretty cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... During all of that, I was, you know, volunteering in nonprofit just to keep myself busy, and I kept volunteering a little bit after. Which nonprofit were you at? So I was actually uh, volunteering for uh, Primate Sanctuary here in town. And There's I, a Primate I, Sanctuary yeah, here in yeah, town? There How is. did I not know this? There is, I know. Gainesville has a lot of hidden <laughs> secrets. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to, um, wanted Can to do. we have them on the show? Will they bring primates <laughs> into this room? Like... No, they won't. Right. Oh. <laughs> That's frowned upon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, um, I wanted to, you know, just volunteer and do something selfless, but not have a lot of. I wouldn't say responsibility, but I literally just wanted to go shovel poop, to be honest, because so much was happening in my life through with the adoption. I wanted to do something that was just kind of mindless and, but yet meant something. Yeah. So that's kind of how I started it. And I ended up doing marketing for them. Like the first day they're like, oh, you know how to do this? Oh no, you're going to the office. And I'm like, okay. And does that happen a lot in the nonprofit world? Yes. It's just like, because yeah. you, know, you have somebody and then you find out their other skill sets. You're like, oh yeah, you're going to be here, here and here. <laughs> Something. And the, you know, this is me, me personally, but you know, coming from for-profit into nonprofit in the for-profit world, there is a lot of emphasis done on like leadership development, staff development, professional development, certifications, like really kind of helping your team to grow and stretch. And, and I mean, at the hospital, they were doing tuition reimbursements. The nonprofit world, I feel like it's, we're not given those same advantages or it's frowned upon oftentimes. Um, so you have amazing staff, you have amazing people that care and they have amazing skill sets. And there are days where I just really wish that society would open up more and, and think of nonprofits really as business. We're small businesses, many of us. Some are mid-sized, some are large, but but yeah, I think of it think of it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, so so much has happened recently, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when did you get in with the United Way? So I came to United Way in 2018. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, so you've been there like our pretty short time mm-hmm. to go I, I mean what when you entered what were you doing yeah so I was doing fundraising and development um so we fundraise through workplace campaigns small business partnerships so but just building relationships and and trying to raise funding for the for our organization so we could continue to do good work in the community so I did that for about a year and then got promoted 
um, and started managing um, a team. So my my role shifted and became hybrid. So I was doing, still doing some fundraising, but then also kind of overseeing community impact, which is the work that we're doing in the community. So we have yeah. programs and we have our community investment funds. So I was and marketing. I was over looking over the marketing team too. Yeah. Is that all? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, now becoming president and CEO, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big deal. (laughs) I mean, is this like when when these opportunities arise, is this like you put your name in the hat and you apply for this position? Like what what was that whole process like? Um, So for this one, it was it was kind of sudden, but not sudden. So our my predecessor resigned at the end of July of last year, and it was not expected. So when something like that happens, you know your board has to come together and make decisions on, you know who can fulfill the interim role. And so um, they asked me to do that, and I was like, absolutely. You know, our, we are in the middle of a pandemic. We have a team. Like we've got it, and we've got commitments in the community. So of course, absolutely. I'm here to help, whatever I need to do. And so that's kind of how I got into that. So it happened really quick. And um, and then, you know, our board wanted to, to take some time because, you know, when you have a, a sudden leadership change like that, you know, of course it creates waves, you know, in your organization and, and, we, and being in a pandemic, got to stabilize. So at that point in time, it was just like, okay, let's get everybody together. Let's make sure we're all, we got everything we need. Let's keep keep rowing the boat, you know. And then um, the board started looking at, you know, what was the plan going to be for recruiting uh, for the CEO position. And so they really started talking about that before the holidays and then launched into it. I think it was the beginning of the year. And so they did a national search. Um, so we are member agencies of United Way Worldwide and we pay membership dues. And part of that, you know, we have a national, actually international job portal so we can post things and, and recruit individuals from all around the world. And so we had posted through there and, and posted locally and yeah. And then the interview process started in, oh gosh, February, March. And it took, I want to say it was maybe four to six weeks because it was two rounds of interviews. So, I mean, when you step in kind of as like the interim, right? Mm-hmm. Like was your, where's your mindset? At? Is this like, when you step into a role like that, is this kind of a, all right, let me get in here and prove myself as like worthy of being in this role? Or like, was that even, like was staying CEO mm-hmm. even on your mind? Um, I like, I mean, of course it's on your mind, but at the same time it was kind of like reverse for me. So it was like, let's, let's see how this goes. Am I really gonna like this? Mm. You know, like this is a nice way for me to try something out. And then if I'm like, yeah, I don't like this, I don't have to apply, right? <laughs> but, um, but I think on, initially it was just like, you know, we gotta, we gotta go. So I'm really, I don't know, I'm just really good at pivoting and whenever there's a crisis, like I'm, I just go into first responder mode, probably because my dad was a volunteer fireman like almost my whole life growing mm. up as a child. So uh. I was always in the firehouse or in his car. And, and so I was just used to it, so. It didn't phase me. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So now that you're in this role, <laughs> I mean, do you like look? 
do you do anything to like reset vision? Like, I mean, stepping into this, you know, into this role now, where's your mindset at? Mm. Looking at the future, you know, where do you want to take it? Is your vision different than the previous CEO's vision? Or do you just kind of pick up where they left off and move on? You know, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of interested in how you approach it, I guess. Yeah, I think my vision is a little different. I think I have more of a shared vision. Um, I really I really work with my team. So I have thoughts and ideas of things that I, I want to do or think the direction that we need to go in. But I also bring in my team's input as well because I don't want to take us down a path. If you don't have your team behind you, you're not going to get very far. So for us right now, we're kind of focusing on four areas. Um, Our community impact, which is the work that we do out in the community. Um, So we're reevaluating that. Are we we doing the right things? Are we focused on the right things? I mean, this pandemic has really thrown everything for a loop. So the things we had in place prior to that, does it still make sense? Do we, where do we need to adjust? Um, and then our marketing and communications. Um, you know, last summer we lost our marketing department, so it's two staff members. Um, so we haven't really had much of a marketing presence in the last year, and that's huge. You know, for a nonprofit, that's how people um, connect with you, and we're fortunate in that we are. United Way, so we do have some brand um, credibility to us, I think, in some aspects. But but locally, you know, there's a lot I think that we need to do better to be out more and and have people more aware of us. Um, the third thing is our our fundraising and development. So we've traditionally really leaned on our workplace campaigns, which is the primary way that we fundraise. I mean, people donating back through payroll deduction has been how we operated since we began. Um, but you know, we can grow into more online and, and connecting with individuals and, and then always having to go through a workplace. So it's making those little bit of tweaks um, to our fundraising and development and then um, continuum of care. So in the summer of 2018, we became the lead agency for our local homeless continuum of care, which is made up of a consortium of nonprofit organizations, um, city government, um, county government, and um, everyone is really comes together and is dedicated to creating a comprehensive plan for how we're going to address homelessness in our service area. And we, as the lead agency, really are that administrative arm of it. Um, we do a combined grant application, and this is where we're you know, securing HUD and DCF, you know, these state and federal funding for homeless services here in our community. So it's a pretty big role for us. And we've been doing it for a little while. And we've got um, a lot of improvement that I think that we can do in terms of, of how we're doing, you know, things. So those are kind of our four areas that I'm really focused on right now. I mean, when you talk about community impact, like how, and you said, you know, how, I guess, how do you evaluate that? Mm-hmm. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. So, um, you know, for us, we're doing that right now. So we're looking at research from all sorts of entities. We're looking at the health department. So so backing up, we serve six counties. So United Wave North Central Florida covers Alachua, Bradford, Dixie, Gilchrist, Levy, and Union. And we, our office is right near the Oaks Mall. We primarily operate out of Gainesville, Many of our partners are based in Gainesville. And so 
I would like to see our organization grow and spread out into our surrounding counties, you know, over the next five to 10 years. Um, and so that means we have to look at their needs as well as the needs of Alachua County. I mean, we're the most densely populated. So of course, a lot of services and need is going to be here. But so we're looking at the health departments in each county. We're looking at our own 211 data, which is our 24-7 resource referral line. So who's calling from which zip codes? What are the need, what are they asking for? Is it rent utilities? Is it, you know, childcare? Is it mental health? Um, and we're getting data from our impact partners as well. So these nonprofits that are working in all of these different areas, what are they seeing? What data are they reporting on? And what can we glean from that? Um, and, and that's really what we're looking at right now. And, and then from there, when we talk about the other side of our community impact, which is our investment in the community, because our community investment fund, that's what it's there for. So when you donate to United Way, you know, your funding helps to support that community investment fund. So we're granting money back out to nonprofit programs in the community that are serving in areas of health, education, financial stability, or immediate needs. So the areas that we're funding, you know, the programs that we're funding, are they the right programs right now? Um, or the right needs, I should say, because all the programs are the right programs. They all serve individuals. But what is priority in this moment? Do we need to make any shifts? So we're, we're laying that foundation now. We don't have the results of that yet, but we'll have that in probably another month or so. Cool. Yep. What's the biggest misconception about the United Way? I think our biggest misconception is that we are not local. Um, that's kind of a big battle that we- Is that just because there's United Ways everywhere? Yeah, yeah. So United Way is, it is a global organization. Um, and I think of us, the way I explain it to a lot of people is you got to think of us as a franchise, right? So United Way of North Central Florida is, is locally owned by our donors. It's operated by local staff and it's governed by a local board of directors. And we pay membership dues to United Way worldwide every year. And these membership dues give us access to resources to support us in operating on the United Way model. So we get access to marketing materials, there's training materials, there's human resources, job description templates. Um, a great example is, you know, there's um, a lot of flooding happening right now in, in Dixie County. And I was able to call United Way Worldwide disaster relief coordinator and have a conversation with her about what can we do on a local level to help our county over here that is struggling? So that's what our memberships dues pay for, is for us to have that support network and that infrastructure. But when you donate to United Way of North Central Florida, that money stays here. It does not go out of the six counties that we serve. The only way it leaves is if you as the donor choose to give it to XYZ nonprofit, you have to designate it and that's your choice and we'll honor your choice. But if you just blindly write a check or you donate through payroll or you sign up as a small business partner and you give to United Way, that funding is gonna be used here locally. That's cool. So. Talk a little bit about, because I mean, obviously our audience is a lot of small businesses. <laughs> yeah. um, talk a little bit about the small business partnership because uh, this is just something that I've, that I thought was incredibly unique. Um, 
especially from a standpoint, you know, we get so many as as small businesses, you get so many nonprofits or or organizations that are looking for sponsorship, and they'll come in and they got like the platinum, gold, silver, you know, models and that kind of thing. And I mean, the small business partnership is way different than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you can explain a little bit of like, you know, how it's different. Yeah. So this program was started. I want to say it was back in two thousand five. No, 2015. Ooh, I'm dating myself. It's 2015. (laughs) I can't tell the years anymore. It's one long day. Um, And it was really designed to help connect small businesses with giving back to our community in a meaningful way and to make it as easy as possible and to also foster some networking and education, um, you know, because we know our, our small businesses don't have all the resources that larger businesses do. So it started off as donating $100 a month, um, and then after a year, they we added another level, so you could do $200 a month. Um, and then this past year, we actually added a new one where you could do $50 a month, um, because we know the pandemic has hit everyone differently. So we, we wanted to just be able to provide a vehicle for businesses to be able to support their community. And I think that's what makes the Small Business uh, United program so special because it is designed specifically for small businesses and it allows you to, to support a variety of nonprofit programs. So our community investment fund um, supports, I think it's 27 currently, um, nonprofit programs right now. And so it allows you to kind of stretch your dollars. Um, and so that's why, you know, I think it's a little bit different. Um, of course, you know, our small businesses can support whoever they want, however they want. But if they're not sure, I mean, we would love for them to consider um, investing in United Way because it's going to go a little further. Yeah, I think it's just easier from a cash flow standpoint. I mean, I, I always find it hard for me to, you know, sit down and strike a check for $1,200 all at one time. Mm-hmm. But to be able to do $100 a month, it's a little bit easier. You know, it's almost says it's like, all right, this is another bill, but it's not a bill. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like uh, for a very good cause, you know, but mm-hmm. it, but it still allows you to kind of break it out, you know, over time and not necessarily have that that huge, you know, check going out at that one time, you know? Yeah. That's, um, and that's what I always really liked about it. Yeah. And I, and I think, too, we try to make it like relationships as well. So we would do, before the pandemic hit, we would do quarterly breakfast. So we would invite everyone out to the office in the morning at 7 a.m. and we would have a speaker there. Um, We would do socials in the evening a couple times a year. And then we would do our annual um, small business summit where we would get some speakers to come in and, and provide some education and stuff. So yeah. yeah, able to find ways to provide a lot of value mm-hmm. through that. I mean, that's exactly right. It's more of like a membership versus like a donation. That's why we call it a partnership. Yeah, we be partners. I, like, I like it. I like You're going to give back to the community. We want to try to give back to you. Yeah. So. All right. So as CEO, how would you describe your leadership style? Ooh. Um, I'm an authentic leader. I would say that. So my staff has seen me cry. <laughs> they have seen me frustrated. Um, you know, I've had days where it's just hit you hard. You know, you have a lot happening at home and you have a lot happening at work and everyone's stressed and I'll come to work and I'll have balloons and flowers on my desk. (laughs) So, um, but you know, the same goes to my team too. You know, if they're having a bad day, come in the office, vent, give it to me. Let's talk it out. Um, if they're not having a great day, go home, rest, 
Like just take some time because it's a lot. I mean, if you really think about it, we've all, every single one of us have been living at some level of crisis every day since this pandemic hit. I mean, you've got, you know this, I mean, with having to not being able to have your business open, um, you've got parents that are having to homeschool their kids um, and now you're sending your kids back to school and they're trying to navigate being back after a year being at home and um, there's just, you know, and you've got this urge, like there's a desire to connect. You want to go and meet with everyone and hug everyone and do all of this stuff. But then at the same time, it's like, well, you're not supposed to. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, it's been so authentic. That's me. I'm just, I'm real. It is what it is. <laughs> and with COVID this past year, I mean, a lot of businesses, including us, like really struggling, mm-hmm. you know, did United Way have a huge amount of drop off? You know, was there... You know, is it coming back around mm-hmm. now? Is like what, like where, where, where did things go with with the pandemic, and then where are things now? Yeah, so I, we're stable, um, and we're still finalizing our numbers. So United Way, we operate on pledges because you have individuals that they pledge to donate so much through payroll deduction, right? And then you start collecting on those pledges. Um, and so for everyone that pledged last fall, their pay- payroll deduction started this January. So we're in September, so it's nine months into their actual payroll deductions. So, so we're still gathering that data. So we won't really know how we did during the, the true part of the pandemic until the end of our fiscal year. Okay. Um, but you know, we are doing better than what we predicted. Um, but we did experience some loss when we had some workplace campaigns that just completely couldn't do it. And they had laid off so many staff and they're like, we can't ask the staff that's remaining to, to do anything right now. It's just, we don't want to stress them. And then we've had other businesses that have done massive layoffs. And, um, so yeah, there was a big change. And then of course, you know, our small business program, we've, you know, that's about half, you know, that went down. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, it's been tough times for sure. Mm-hmm. We've definitely been in the thick of it ourselves. I've talked about it multiple times on this show. Um, I just have so much faith that everybody's going to come out of it so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm like looking, I'm like looking at, at our year right now, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like we could very well end up having one of the best years we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have made a lot of the changes, a lot in, in processes, and just the way I operate as a leader. Like, I don't know if I would have made those changes if it hadn't been for this pandemic. <laughs> you know, so I think that a lot of us are, you know, I think it's gonna come back around. I think everything's gonna get way better. And I think a lot of businesses who did make it through, hopefully, you know, a good majority of us did make it through, but I think those of us that did are going to be just way stronger and mm-hmm. way better because of it. And even the ones that failed, I think even the ones that failed, they're going to start over. You know, they'll start something mm-hmm. new, and they'll learn from this. You know, this time and this experience because like, I know it's just been such a challenge for everybody, but mm-hmm. still, just kind of, I don't know. I just have I have so much faith. I've said it so much time, so many times that I think we're all going to look back at this time and be like, man. We're way better today because of 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. I think too, when it comes to certain industries as well, even for us, for example, you know, we've always been teetering on the edge of diving into digital for 
fundraising, mm. you know, because we were so comfortable with the way we'd always done things. So it's kind of pushed us and challenged us to kind of take that jump. And so we're, it had to, right? Right. Everybody was yeah. online. And then, and then from just an operations perspective of, you know, remote work and hybrid work and how does that look? And, you know, there was a lot of, I think, fear of, oh, I don't want to do remote work. That's not going to be hard to manage. But then when you're kind of forced to do it and you're like, oh yeah, everybody's, I mean, we're all working. I, pro- I work more now than I probably would have if we would have stayed fully in the office because, you know, I have my computers right there. So I'm just yeah. like, I got to check that email and I got to do this. So does that mean the office disappears at some point or like, I don't think so. No, we've got, we've had those conversations. Um, I personally feel like, you know, we're, we're United way Our at our core. We are conveners. Like that's what we were designed for is when there's a crisis or there's an issue and we are there to bring the puzzle pieces together and get everyone in the room and get them talking and, you know, I, I think when we're able to have individuals back in our building, we're going to want to have those meetings. I want to see my small business partners in the room. Yeah. You know, I want my board in a room. Like, I physically want to be able to, like, see everyone. And um, so I think we'll always have a building. Um, but I think, you know, we'll be hybrid. We'll have a lot of opportunity for our team to be able to you know, do the good work that they do. And I think what's also great is, you know, you have individuals that have different productivity levels. Some people are just way more productive, you know, from 10 to seven. Yeah. (laughs) So go for it. Like flexibility. Yeah. That's cool. So, mm. Yeah, I think that will be another benefit that comes out of this. A little bit more difficult for us at a scooter dealership mm-hmm. that really has to be open retail. <laughs> yeah, my husband's in the same boat. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, for but for others, it's it's definitely proved to be, uh, you know, a benefit. And I, I don't know. Again, I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out long term. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having uh, me. I'm super excited for you. And I'm just like, I just look forward to seeing, you know, the United Way continue to do its amazing things in the community. Uh, where can our audience connect with you or with you know, the United Way? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What's the best way to learn more about, you know, being a small business partner and that kind of thing? Yeah. So our website, it's um, unitedwaynCFL.org. Um, and we are literally on every social media except for TikTok. So when's TikTok coming? I know, I know. Right? <laughs> I think you should do it. A CEO, I think CEO Amber Miller should be on TikTok. Oh, for the United I Way. don't have the bandwidth yet. <laughs> I do. That is like my comfort zone, though. Like late at night when you're trying to, you know, you've had a rough day. I will, I will watch funny cat videos on TikTok oh, for so hours easy. with my son. Yeah, they make it so easy. You just keep scrolling, mm-hmm. just it's mindless. Just yeah. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Yep. I can feel that. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on the show. And you guys, be sure to support the United Way. They're doing so many great things right here in our community. And thank you so much to James Lightner, Sarah Lentz, and to our awesome intern team, Trinity, Gianna, and Noah, for all of your hard work. Podcast fam, remember you can find all the links to our incredible sponsors at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. We also always link them up down in the description uh, in the show notes of the episode as well. So definitely get linked up to them there. 
there. And special love this episode to our friends over at the UF Mover Guys. These guys have 50 team members and 80 trucks ready to help you move right here in Gainesville. The UF Mover Guys provide full service moving services and even have climate controlled storage. They provide loading and unloading services onto rented trucks, shipping containers, and pods, whether you are moving out of town or moving into town. Last minute moves are not a problem. These guys are available seven days a week. They've been serving the area for years. They don't charge travel or fuel fees on any local moves and no move is too big or too small. Give our friends Brad and Jordan at UF Mover Guys a call when you're preparing for your next move. Call them at 352-415-0886 or visit their website at ufmoverguys.com. And when you do, be sure to say, I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast. The podcast bring you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. <laughs> Whoa. We will see you later. Bye.